everyone. I'm Jim Cahill with another Emerson Automation Experts podcast. Wireless technology has enabled amazing advances for everyone across the globe. While the technology is solid, there's still room for improvement. Communication engineers battle with challenges such as Wi-Fi coexistence, multipath fade, non-deterministic data reception, and obstructions all that may affect reliability. You may have heard the recent news about Emerson's corporate venture capital business investing in the Austin, Texas-based company's Spirix Technologies. Their adaptive multi-core radio processing technology provides a system-level solution for industrial Internet of Things, or IIoT, wireless communications. Today, I'm joined by Spirix Technologies' Juan Conchis and Emerson's Laura Schaefer to discuss the technology and how Emerson looks to expand its IIoT technologies as part of its pervasive sensing strategy. Welcome, Juan and Laura. Thank you for Thanks, having Jim. me. Well, it's great that you're both here. So I guess to kick things off, Juan, let's begin by asking you to share your background and path to your current role at Spirix. Right, thank you. So uh, thank you for having me, uh, Jim, and uh, I'm very happy to be here with Laura also. Uh, my background is uh, technical. I'm a BSEE from MIT, and uh, my first job out of school was uh, at Maxim Integrated Products, uh, which is now part of Analog Devices. And uh, I was very happy to uh, focus more on analog and mixed signal. Uh, early in my career, and uh, I got exposed to uh, customers very early on as an applications engineer, and so I decided to split my uh, career uh, into uh, uh, customer-focused marketing and business as well as technical. So my career has been half technical and half business uh, the entire time, and I've worked for uh, uh, such names as uh, Xilinx and Silicon Labs, Micrel, Microchip, and most recently, Abricon, who is uh, a supplier into the Internet of Things. My background is not wireless, and it seems ironic since I'm uh, here at Spirix as the VP of Sales and Marketing, but uh, my background is more wireline inserties and high-speed uh, communications. But I think I bring a fresh look at wireless, and that's something that Spirix is doing is taking uh, the tradition of uh, wireless engineering and bringing in new tools and new technologies. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to be here and discuss all of these things. Well, that's a great and widely varied background. Uh, it's going to be really good for our discussion today. Laura, let me turn to you. And can you give us a little bit about your background and path to your current role? Sure, Jim. Uh, so I 
uh, got a, my technical degrees from the Colorado School of Mines in chemical engineering. I got my bachelor's and master's, uh, and then joined the oil and gas industry. I worked with uh, oil and gas for uh, 10 years upstream, and that's where I got my first exposure to Emerson products. Uh, I was using a micromotion Coriolis meter to measure additive addition to frac fluid. So that's how I got introduced to, to Emerson. Uh, and then I joined Emerson in 2012 in a business development capacity, got to um, really meet a lot of customers and see how they use Emerson products. In 2020, I joined our digital transformation group, and that's where I really got into Emerson Wireless and our wireless heart technology that we offer. Um, and uh, since then, I'm now the vice president and general manager of pervasive sensing and connectivity in our measurement solutions group up in Minneapolis and uh, really happy to have Spirix with us today to talk about the technology that we're excited to integrate into our products moving forward. Well, that's really great, the pervasive sensing and this wireless technology, because that's really the heart of a lot of this sensing, just to be able to get so much more and then make use of it in your digital transformation. So, Juan, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, Let's talk a little about radio frequency, or RF, adaptive diversity technology. How does this communications technology make wireless more reliable and predictable? We have the uh, intuition that wireless can only be pushed so far. Wireless as a, as a physical uh, connectivity uh, uh, suffers from things such as obstructions, multipath fade, reflections, interference. It can, the wave, the wave can interfere with itself. Uh, and uh, all of these things are subject to environmental conditions. And no matter how good a single connection is, uh, there's always something that can prevent it from being 99.999 or 100%. And so one of the ways that we are making uh, wireless reliable is by adding what we call diversity into the mix. And we're doing something uh, uh, unique that uh, is part of our patented technology. We are applying multi-core RF. So for the first time, we see a need to use more than a single radio, more than a single core. And what the multi-core RF does is it builds diversity by applying multiple modes of um, uh, what we call frequency, time, and space. In other words, there is more flexibility when you have more cores, and the time, frequency, space uh, coordinates that you select to propagate that uh, uh, connectivity builds immunity. And as it builds immunity through the air, we call that gain. And so the multi-core radio uh, regains capacity with gain by using diversity through the air. Yeah, that sounds like, you know, even in biological systems, greater diversity means greater resilience. So that's, that's really interesting there. Since we're now recognizing that RF environments can be corrected using this diversity, what are the impending challenges that this technology helps solve? Yeah, so there are impending challenges. Uh, probably the biggest one is interference or what the industry is calling coexistence. Um, 
We haven't seen enough uh, coexistence issues yet because uh, as much wireless as has been deployed in the industry, uh, it's not 100% uh, ubiquitous. And the promise of the IoT, the industrial IoT is just a subsection of it. The promise of the IoT is that uh, we are gonna have hundreds, thousands more wireless devices around. And all of these devices are contesting for airspace and bandwidth and spectrum. And uh, that is gonna inevitably create uh, interference problems. And so uh, what the diversity does is it addresses the fact that uh, interference is uh, location, frequency, and time-based. It's not constant throughout. And if you can uh, discern the best way to apply those things, you can solve the interference problem. The next challenge that's coming is uh, planning and placement. Uh, so uh, the IoT uh, uh, cannot be uh, isolated to certain conditions, to certain spaces. Uh, there may be uh, uh, sensors that need to be at ground level. There may be sensors that need to be up high or behind a, behind a set of uh, obstructions. Uh, uh, they might be mobile. Uh, because of all of those uh, infinite ways that sensors need to be deployed, uh, in order for uh, a ubiquitous system, in order for a system to be really be, uh, really have the the uh, freedom and the degrees of freedom that it needs in order uh, to be ubiquitous, then you have to release it from this planning constraint. And so, space is, you know, where something is located is another challenge. Third is a challenge of longer and more predictable battery life. Longer and more predictable battery life means that you, you need to have uh, a consistent reliability of your wireless. If your wireless tends to retransmit much more often than it's supposed to or much more often than you expect, then you actually shorten the battery life. And so predictability of the wireless and the wireless reliability becomes important so that you can actually plan, you know, how much battery do you need? How long is this sensor going to take? If your sensor uh, life falls short, then you have uh, unplanned uh, maintenance that you have to do, go replace batteries or take the sensor down. The sensor doesn't operate long term enough. Battery life is becoming uh, one of the most important things. Yeah, that makes sense that, uh, you know, if you have to keep retrying, you're working the, you know, the, it's having to communicate out, you're burning battery doing that. So, yeah, I can see that predictability being an important thing. So, Laura, the future of industrial IoT may rest in solving this interference and the sensor placement and density as well as increasing battery life. What do you think is the business impact on industrial installations as these capabilities are expanded and ready for the future? Yeah, so customers have not run into these issues quite yet. We are anticipating that as customers um, are going through their digital transformation and have to instrument more and more 
uh, spots in their in their facility. They need wireless. They need wireless to do this. And uh, for many customers, they've dropped in maybe an initial network, the initial set of devices, but many customers need lots, lots more devices. And as they do this, there are challenges that we know are on the horizon that we want to be in front of with this technology that Spirix is bringing to the table by offering that increased reliability to make sure that the signal gets through the first time and you don't have to retry to get that signal through. Um, that's going to help the reliability, not just of the signal, but of the battery life also, as Juan mentioned. So I think that by working with Spirix, we're getting ahead of these challenges that customers will have as they put more and more wireless in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's just that everything, every device, everything out there is becoming smarter and smarter and wanting to communicate and say what's going on. So to sit here today and, and look at how much it's instrumented, just looking out five years from now, it could be way more just because of so many more smart things in, in the plant, especially as we move towards more and autonomous operations. Absolutely. So Juan, how is this technology independent of spectrum protocol or bandwidth? And what are some of the wireless standards that it'll work with? You know, one of the challenges that was posed to Spirix uh, when we first started working with uh, Emerson uh, as an industrial partner is the need for backwards compatibility and the need to be able to just roll into what has already been taking place over the last uh, 10, 20 years uh, in wireless. And as Laura said, this is a future need. It's not necessarily here yet. So in preparation for that, we can't overhaul the network in order to accommodate uh, this new technology. So uh, we had to come up with a solution that was backwards compatible and uh, spectrum uh, compliant or, or compatible with the same spectrum. We don't want to jump to a new spectrum either. Many wireless technologies, uh, especially in the startup phase, uh, they have a, a tendency to require a new protocol or a new spectrum. And uh, we definitely wanted to avoid that. So uh, in doing that, uh, our, we adapted our, our technology uh, very naturally, it naturally adapts to this, uh, to meet backwards compatibility in protocol. Any protocol actually will work. We can apply our RATIS uh, uh, diversity to any protocol. There are some protocols that, are, that will benefit much more than others, like narrow band and battery operated low power, which is exactly what you know, IoT and industrial sensors need. Uh, but uh, synchronized networks, especially, uh, and in fact, wireless heart, uh, which is the preferred uh, standard within industrial, uh, was a shoe-in for, for what we're doing. So wireless heart works very well. Wireless heart happens to be a, a IEEE uh, 802.15.4 based uh, solution. So. Uh, uh, it shares a lot of commonalities with other uh, high-volume uh, uh, standards that are also in the 2.4 gigahertz space, such as Thread, Zigbee, and eventually BLE. 
But as I mentioned, we can also be backwards compatible to other uh, protocols uh, such as LoRaWAN uh, or you know some of the uh, sub gigahertz uh, uh, like Wison, etc. Uh, we really are independent of uh, the protocol itself. We just have to apply our technology to it. We're also independent of spectrum, so 2.4 gigahertz and 800 megahertz, 900 megahertz, sub gigahertz uh, will also work uh, with us. And in the future, uh, many, many other standards could be 5 gigahertz or even higher, higher uh, uh, frequencies. So that flexibility, that uh, is pretty powerful, especially the backward compatibility for all the years that uh, the wireless devices have been out there. So Laura, what was it about the Spirix technology and their team that made us want to make a capital investment in the company through Emerson Ventures? Yeah, the backwards compatibility is incredibly important because we've got over half a million devices out there ourselves already um, communicating wireless hearts. So the ability to take the additional reliability and potentially additional range that the Spirix intellectual property offers and provide that backwards into existing networks is incredibly exciting. Um, so backwards compatibility for one. Of course, all the value messages that the technology brings on range and battery life and reliability are very important. Um, so that's one of the primary reasons was jumping on that intellectual property and help, helping uh, guide the team into deployment of this in an industrial environment was first and foremost why we wanted to jump on this. Um, the team, of course, um, they bring a lot of experience on how, how to deploy this and they're bringing um, expertise on wireless heart as well to the table so we can work with them to make sure that this is the right solution for our customers. We are very interested about the application to other protocols as well, um, other environments. There's definitely uh, substantially more volume in the commercial markets. So adapting this technology into the commercial markets offers a tremendous opportunity for, for folks you know, beyond just our industrial customers. Yeah, and if you look at how dis digital transformation and other things, you know, it's, you're getting a blurring of worlds anyway, that there's a lot going on in the commercial space with sensors and other things in the industrial space in there. So, yeah, I see that. So, Laura, I, I, with the current portfolio of intelligent devices communicating with each other and host systems, via with wireless heart, the mesh-based communications technology. How will the mesh combined with Spirix adaptive diversity technology help to increase communications capacity, visibility, and reliability? Sure, I, so down the line, our, we need to continue to work with our team, our engineering team and with Spirix to uh, reduce the cost of wireless infrastructure. And by deploying this technology, we're going to be able to uh, potentially extend the range uh, for wireless heart communications between where we put our access point, where the devices are. So as we increase range, we are also looking to increase the total device count that can be handled on an access point. So a customer that in the past might have needed many access points to bring in 
a few thousand devices can get away with fewer access points, reducing their overall infrastructure cost to deploy a, a wireless network. So ultimately, we're going to be reducing that cost for our customers um, and helping wireless be deployed truly pervasively because it's not been pervasively taken up uh, to date. Yeah, so it sounds like lowering the infrastructure costs of it and actually extending the maintenance because if these are more efficiently communicating and not having to retry, retry, retry kind of thing, longer battery life. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of good in that. So Juan, I was recently reading the white paper you released on the website about the RADIS wireless physical layer solution. Can you give our listeners some insight on how it discerns the environmental radio frequency conditions and adaptively controls RF communications? Sure, thank you uh, for asking that, Jim. Uh, the white paper is available on our, on our website, uh, spirits.com. What we are able to discern is, uh, as data starts coming in, because we have diversity, we're able to deserve, discern what we call colored packets. So when packets come in, they don't come in 100% clean. Some of them are colored with things that are environmental, such as uh, uh, obstructions, such as reflections, or uh, uh, other environmental conditions. As those packets come in, we uh, consolidate them on the back end, and then make decisions based on, uh, on those environmental colored packets. And those decisions let us adaptively tune our time, frequency, space uh, 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 coordinates of the multi-core radio in order to more effectively cut through those aggressors. And uh, we're able to go through aggressors uh, that are uh, uh, that a single radio core cannot go through. And uh, the best example is, for example, uh, coexistence. Coexistence, as, as Laura has mentioned, uh, uh, it will be a big problem if it's not dealt with, and uh, so many ubiquitous radios uh, or wireless are all contending for the same spectrum. We can tell when a, a packet comes in if it's hindered a lot by interference, we take a look at that channel, or it could even be that time slot, or it could even be that space uh, connection between uh, one core and another core on, on our uh, wireless, and we can jump to a different time space or uh, frequency space coordinate, for example, where those packets are not colored by that interference. So we have much more flexibility to make those decisions than a single core uh, wireless uh, does. A single core wireless basically has to live with its own uh, frequency space or time space or frequency. It only has one choice of frequency, basically. So uh, because of the diversity that we built, we're able to jump to different time frequency space coordinates that can cut through either the interference or whatever other aggressor is out there and build back that diversity for, for that channel. It's kind of playing air traffic controller and say, okay, we need to skip over here. This will be better for us. That's, that's really cool. 
So how does this adaptive diversity technology reduce communication packet error rates, you know, reducing those retransmissions, which helps with battery life? One of the uh, challenges with wireless today is that uh, there's really only one way to, to rebuild that, that channel uh, capacity uh, because a single core only has one option. And when the packet doesn't make it, it uh, needs to retransmit. So the retransmissions are actually hindering battery life because uh, there is no guarantee that the next retransmission is gonna make it and then the next retransmission might fail again. So that wireless doesn't really have any idea or can't really compensate uh, to make sure that the retransmission has a much higher likelihood of making it. So the way that uh, our diversity builds or lowers power is by uh, uh, making sure that at any given point it uses the best uh, time, frequency, space, channel, or coordinate that has the highest likelihood to make it through and by relying on that highest likelihood, then the likelihood of needing another retransmission is much lower. So even if that time frequency space coordinate or channel requires slightly more power, it still saves power by overcoming the aggressors in the air. And then we've also ha we also have data, and, and it's in the white paper, we also have data that shows if you use the right time, frequency, space combination, you can actually get away with lowering the transmit power. So you save power not only because you become more reliable with fewer retransmissions, but your overall transmit power can actually become lower, something on the order of 10x lower. So you can imagine that your battery life can be highly extended. Uh, it also has the the, the benefit of, low, of quieting down the entire network because each RF link knows where to operate as far as optimal uh, uh, connectivity and optimal uh, likelihood for the packet to go through without you know, screaming up at a very high DBM, which is what most wireless just does today is crank, crank it, it, crank it crank to it. the highest. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> listen to me, listen to me. Yes. <laughs> Yes. It's just a fascinating technology. So, Laura, how do we envision applying this technology in our products? Sure. We'd like to start by putting it into our access points. That is the first place where we can maximize impact to the customer um, by, by simply changing out an access point in a, an existing network could have a step change in, in reliability and potentially distance as well. Um, so that's the first place that we would see to do it. Then we would look at adapting the technology into uh, next generation devices as well to get the benefits on both sides of the transmit and receive um, and just build a, a substantially more reliable network across the board. So start with the access point and then move towards the devices. Okay, I'll save the when question for a future <laughs> podcast then as this develops and sure. go forward there. So, Juan, what are some of the performance gains in this technology over what we have today? Sure, another, another great question, uh, Jim, thank you. So, uh, we, see, we see the technology as uh, mining capacity where uh, a single core radio 
or a single core wireless does not have the option to select an arbitrary or more time frequency space channels to go through. The more cores you add, the more flexibility you have in choosing that time frequency space coordinates. You could choose four, or if you have more cores, you can choose eight or 16, and thereby mining capacity or having much more capacity that, than a certain, a single uh, uh, core uh, uh, can take advantage of. That capacity can be used either to improve overall data rate, or it can be used to improve uh, battery life. You, you uh, transmit at lower power. Uh, that's one aspect of it, or higher reliability, fewer retries. So it's all two sides of the same coin, even though I just mentioned multiple sides. But once you understand that uh, you're taking advantage of more capacity than a single uh, RF core uh, can take advantage of, then you're free to optimize your, your performance. So we've seen gains in, uh, there should be gains in, in distance, there should be gains in reliability, there should be gains in uh, power consumption. Where you should apply this is in contestant environments that are very hostile to wireless signals and that require uh, extended battery operation. So if you look at our white paper, uh, you'll see that uh, we, we make a case for, in most cases, transmitting with very low power, one-tenth the power, and you still get 96% reliability or 96% throughput on any given uh, packet. And uh, so we see that as a, as a big gain for, for wireless. Yeah, it certainly sounds like there's a number of different dimensions where you get that performance increase. Well, it's been a fascinating discussion. Let's wind it down here. Um, Laura, uh, are there any closing thoughts or things you want to add for our audience that we haven't talked about? Well, I think just in general, we're really excited about the future of wireless for our customers. Um, just there are so many more points that need to be measured, uh, especially as we just came through COVID. We've got a lot of customers who realize the need to provide more data to folks who are working remotely uh, to automate operator rounds and, and give us visibility into the maintenance or monitoring applications that just have never had the attention in the past. So we see big growth for wireless in the future and improving the reliability at, at the battery life, et cetera, is where investments in companies like Spirix are really important to move the technology forward. Now we see this for the industrial environment, but the technology that you guys are bringing to the table have a, has tremendous opportunity for you know, commercial and residential applications as well. So we're really excited to be partners moving forward um, and help get you the exposure uh, to some of these other markets as well. Um, but Really excited to, to have this opportunity to speak with you as well, Jim. We're, there's so much to be excited about in wireless. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just seems like, you know, at the recent Emerson Exchange talk of autonomous operations, and it just seems like you'll have to have way more sensing, way more things going on the more you can um, move down that path towards autonomous operations. So Juan, 
How do you envision this technology unfolding over the next several years? So, uh, you know, very, very new technology. We are uh, just getting started in, in understanding what, what this technology can do. Uh, I mentioned we're mining capacity. I mentioned multi-core uh, wireless. Uh, I think we started with the right partner. I think that, uh, you know, the leader in industrial wireless is uh, probably the, uh, the premier first mover of what, of what uh, this technology can bring. So thank you uh, for partnering with us. And, um, uh, but that's only the start. I think that, uh, uh, you know, there, there are many things that, that can happen. Once you understand that multi-core wireless uh, actually can do things that a single core can't, uh, you know, we've been already discussing internally also with Emerson that it might even change the wireless game from a DB race where it's DBM sensitivity, DBM output power, and it's all about cranking up the power and cranking down the sensitivity and that makes a better link. Uh, we don't know that that's the right way to go anymore. It might actually be more coarse rather than a DB race. So it might change the way that uh, wireless is, is designed. There's also this aspect of today we have to go at, after very high-end applications that really require or really benefit from the reliability, right? Industrial is a great example, especially moving forward as, as wireless becomes ubiquitous. You know, uh, industrial at some point in the next five years had to address the new coming challenges with something, we're glad to help. But as Moore's Law and other things take over, we believe that uh, the, the other, you know, more, more uh, volume-driven markets, uh, like home automation uh, and, and uh, uh, maybe even consumer markets, uh, will be able to benefit from this technology. So, you know, we're starting at the very high end of the requirement. Uh, and uh, eventually everybody should be able to use uh, some form or another of, of a multi-core RF processor. Yeah, it just seems like if we get all these smart devices whispering to one another, the battery life's gonna extend, and plus lower all the EMF that's floating around yes, all yes, among yes. us, so that sounds like a great thing. Well, I wanna thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts with our listeners and viewers today. And I guess if you want to learn more about the technology or read the white paper that we alluded to, visit the Spirix website at spearix.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us.